Welcome to the Productive Inactivity Podcast, where we take your favorite topics and completely destroy their overworked narratives, create new unbiased narratives, and probably hurt your feelings in the process. But in the words of my old black babysitter, Matilda, you gonna be all right. Again, welcome to the Productive Inactivity Podcast. Now, here's your host, Wayne Steven. And you get another chance tomorrow. I don't hustle like that. I hustle like this. There's not a second left. You know that tomorrow I'm hustling like there's only one more second left of this hustle. That soundbite has nothing to do with uh with the subject matter today. I just really, really enjoy it. Anyways, this is Wayne Steven with the Productive Inactivity Podcast. And welcome, welcome. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and get right into it. As far back as I can remember, I've always been somebody who I was always an observer of arguments. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that my parents used to argue a lot. But outside of that, just being from New York City, there's always a debate about something. Somebody's always going to debate about something and it just, it never fails. So when you sit back and you look at certain debates and you look at certain arguments, you realize that the people engaging in them aren't really looking to dig up, you know, facts about whatever the situation is that they're arguing about more than it's a I'm right, no, you're not right situation. And I've always been like a third side of the coin guy. Like, okay, well, you, you're you both making very good arguments, but have you explored this variable? And the, the reason I'm talking about this today is because there's just an overworked narrative in sports today that it, it really irks me because it doesn't have any real foundation based on anything solid more than it's just an opinion of people about other people's athletic prowess. And it's the GOAT argument, the greatest of all time argument in basketball, especially because that's where people feel like the stats are the most measurable and determining factor of determining who is an actual greatest of all time. And as I sit there and I listen to the argument from people, and again, this this narrative is severely overworked because people do feel like stats are, are so measurable that you can determine whether or not somebody is a GOAT based on those things. But the fact of the matter is, stats aren't really a determining factor, and it's because greatest of all time to you might be completely subjective in when it comes to who you enjoyed watching who influenced your style of play if you were indeed an athlete you know who made the most impact for the game because if if we're being honest if we let it only be determined by stats and championships the argument wouldn't be as sexy it wouldn't be as 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 frothing at the mouth to have this discussion because you'd be like oh that guy he has the most but let me unpack this slowly because i don't want to get ahead of myself because i took notes because i really want people to understand my perspective as far as this goat thing is concerned i have a friend named michael peoples 
Um, he's a young entrepreneur. We're 10 years difference. I'm 40, he's 30. And I find our dynamic hilarious because he's an old soul. He doesn't really play by the same rules as most 30 year olds. He's very mature for his age. And when we discuss certain things, you know, he, he calls me to the carpet about, hey, you know, how can you feel like that about this when you don't feel like that about that? And we have good exchanges and it's always progressive. And I, I sometimes I just want to record our phone calls because I feel as though people need to hear the gems that are within these discussions. But saying that to say, we had a discussion about Kobe versus Mike and we just agreed to disagree. I'm not going to tell you what that entailed because that's that's a whole nother sports topic altogether because I love sports to death. I will talk about it at length. I love music to death. I'll talk about that at length. And just the things that I'm passionate about, I, I talk about them at length. So saying that to say, this GOAT argument is is almost a moot point because we aren't even in charge of all of the thoughts we think about this argument. We're not as in charge of these thoughts as we think we are. Um, we need to understand that the media needs these discussions, not the sport. They need the content that it brings, not the sport. Because in the sport itself, whoever the GOAT is, is already widely regarded by their peers and they don't debate it. Only sports analysts do. And as a result, we debate it. What I mean by that is the sport itself does not determine its GOAT on the same way that you hear these analysts determine its GOAT. They don't argue it. They go, oh, these guys are ambassadors of the game. Guys like Bill Russell, guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guys like John Havlicek, guys like Oscar Robertson. You know, those, those pioneers of the game, the ones who revolutionized it early by their peers and the guys who play now, they look at them like they're the goats, right? But that's because that's peer on peer respect. Analysts have a job to do. Analysts have to get you to tune in. So they have to make the argument a little more attractive. And it's if you think about it, the sport itself doesn't need to determine a goat because the, the, the people in the sport respect the sport and those who played it so much that for those within the sport to say such and such is the goat that would be disrespecting everybody who's played the game to a high level and we know who it was like if you look at the you know the top 50 players that was determined when i was 18 years old i think that's when that happened like the top 50 players of all time happened and um that had its share of hall of famers and since then, you know, the, the league has ushered in quite a few guys who you could be like, man, remember when they and we forget we have a short memory when it comes to that. We have a short memory of who our favorites were, whose jerseys we were going to flock to buy when we were young. People who we begged our moms to buy us their sneakers. It wasn't only Mike. There was a lot of people who had some signature shoes back in the days who we looked at them according to our own personal skill set. And was like, I want to emulate that. He's my GOAT because he reminds me of how I want to play. For me, it was David Robinson um, because he was left-handed. He was very muscular. I wanted to be muscular. I was a very skinny, gangly, spidery-looking kid, which is also why I leaned towards Stacey Augman because he was left-handed, couldn't shoot that good, played good defense, 
he remi I reminded myself a lot of him. Um, both of those names might be lost on whoever's uh, trying to think about who they are, but David Robinson, the Admiral, one of the greatest centers to ever play the game, and Stacey Yogman, aka Plastic Man, one of the uh, first kind of like two-way players, offense and defense, that you could look at and be like, oh, that guy's good on defense and on offense, pretty solid. Played alongside Dominique Wilkins, another proverbial goat, but that whole argument is, is determined on how the analysts make us feel and what they want to argue about because they sit and they they do the stats and they have these numbers and I mean I've never heard so many specific stats in my life like Nick Wright is the king of those specific stats he'll be like in the month of February, in the first two weeks, LeBron James is the top scorer of all time on the dates that are odd numbered and end with seven. Like it, like it's crazy how, I'm like, are you serious with these stats you just came up with? Like nobody, nobody gathers these metrics to make a really solid unbiased point. And a lot of the points are being, a lot of the points are being argued by people who are biased towards whatever generation they're enjoying basketball in the most but the crazy thing is a lot of these analysts are guys who are older than me or my age and they've seen the greats and yet they still like overwork these narratives it's their job i get it my other reason behind thinking that this whole goat thing is a moot point and i'm going to read this word for word because i want people to really understand how this plays out and varies from sport to sport the NFL chooses its GOATs definitively based on rings because there are very few dynasties. But the NBA tries not to do that because if they did the GOAT talk based on that, it wouldn't be as sexy with names like Russell and Havlicek up there. The discussion needs to be aesthetically pleasing so they measure personal stats plus rings and other variables that are fun to argue but hard to prove. My example is Steph Curry has three rings in less trips to the finals than LeBron. But his name is never mentioned when we talk about GOAT. Now, that's why I feel like many of these analysts are hypocritical because they'll be like, Mike is the GOAT because he has six rings, no finals losses. All right, that's cool. Also, what he did for basketball with the scoring titles and you know, he all defensive NBA team, all NBA team, all those things, cool. Bill Russell has 11 rings and he also was super defensive and he mad rebounds and all of those things that you're, you know, but people are like, well, Wayne, the league was in its embryonic stage. And if you look around, he was the only black dude there. So he had to dominate. Cool. I'll let you say that to me. But I will also have you point out that when Mike first came in, when he was dropping 60 this and 50 that on like a weekly basis. He was dropping it against like Kelly Trapuca and Jack Sigma. Like never on any night was Mike guarding the best player on the floor, if we're being honest. But if we're not being honest, then you can say he scorched everybody. But on no given night, especially in, in the league that he played in, the best player on the team was power forwards and centers. He wasn't guarding them. He was barely bulky enough to guard small forwards. Up and like later in his career, he put some weight on, but it wasn't that wasn't that Mike. We, we talk, that's the second three peat Mike. Pre first three peat Mike, 
was not was guarding Jeff Hornacek, Craig Elo, who I met by the way. So he <laughs> he said <laughs> I, when I talked to him in the elevator, he was like, people seem to forget that uh, he missed two free throws before he hit that one shot. So he should have iced the game before that highlight, which is actually true. And Craig Elo had like 27 that night. So there's a, there's that. Um, but the fact of the matter is, Mike was never guarding the best player on the floor. I mean, if you look top 20, the only other two guards to be in the top 20 in scoring when Mike was playing was Clyde Drexler and Mitch Richmond throughout. I think that's like, that's literally pre, pre first three Pete Mike didn't have any competition is basically what I'm saying. I'm not taking away from his determination. I'm not taking away from his will to win. I'm not taking away from the fact that he was super clutch. Any of those things. You know, he is, his field goal percentage wasn't that great. But if if I'm being honest and we're going to sit here and have a conversation with these analyst type people, we're going to bring those things up because they love to compare him and LeBron, which is strange because they're not even the same kind of player. LeBron's 6'8", 250,000 pounds because nobody ever knows his real weight because he fluctuates between 280 and 250 like he did in Miami, which was, that is astronomical. I really feel like he was created in a lab. Have you ever seen a baby picture of LeBron? I'm saying he's man old in the face. He was born old in the face, nine years old. That's <laughs> I've never seen LeBron's baby picture. I need to see a LeBron baby picture to believe he was birthed. Anyways, um, they're not the same type of player. They're not the same uh, position. They're not the same skill set. LeBron's a way better passer, better court vision, more uh, more of an overpowering figure than Mike was more of a finesse. So we're comparing literally apples and grapes, not even apples and oranges, because apples and oranges both grow on trees. Mike is a grape. LeBron is an apple. They don't even grow in the same space and they don't even use the same skill. They didn't even use the same skill set to dominate. So we're not we're, we're doing unfair comparisons just for the sake of let's stay current with the comparisons. LeBron's playing now. Who's better? And if we're gonna make a real comparison between players, it would always be Kobe versus Mike because they play the same exact way. Like Kobe is literally a carbon copy of Mike, but because we're, we don't really wanna delve deep into that argument, we as people who like to argue that, cause I don't, I just like to point out the facts. It's just the fact that they're so comparable that it's almost annoying to compare because when you reach the end point, the only thing you're gonna say is, Mike has six rings, Kobe has five, Mike wins, yay. But really, people have always measured it by rings until it turns into the LeBron situation because he's the, we wanna hold him up and press him to the, hey, let's not forget about him. You know, he's, if I'm being honest, and if you're being honest, LeBron James is the Buffalo Bills of basketball granted he has three rings the buffalo bills have none but for him to have three and have gone nine times people be like going nine times is a feat not when you're in the eastern conference please let's stop lying let's be honest like the goat talk is a moot point unless you're willing to be honest about why you're saying it if you're saying it because it's just something to argue and it's fun it's barbershop talk it doesn't mean anything cool Let's at least measure it by things that are measurable. Three trips to the finals, nine losses. Kobe had five trips. No, Kobe had five rings. I think he had, I think he had nine trips to the finals. I should have, I should have fact checked that before I said it, but 
if we're going to do the measurables, let's really do the measurables. Let's not let's not say, oh, this argument isn't sexy enough. I don't want to have it. Bill Russell, 11 rings. That's a lot. Go. You know, it. it we just got to start being honest. And I feel that way about everything because we're not honest about many of the debates that we have, which is why I don't get into debates. I just go, hey, what about this? I'm, hey, what about this guy? I like to disrupt two people arguing who sound ridiculous and go, hey, what about this? Because the world needs that guy. It needs a dissenter for both sides. Like, I'm on neither one of y'all side because none of y'all is making sense and making the real argument, which is on that third side of the coin because it's so narrow. Not many people want to argue that because they don't want to take the time. But with stuff like that, that you're going to argue at length, like who's the goat? Why not give it that third option? You know what I, I learned? Uh, my brother's a big wrestling enthusiast. I was during the Attitude Era, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, DX, all of that. I was I loved wrestling. Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw, loved it. Professional sports has taken a lesson from wrestling because now professional sports needs its bad guy it needs its good guy it needs its baby face it needs its antagonist like let's think about it let's look at the league all those things that i said i want you to think about the league in the 90s dennis rodman was the was the jester he was the bad guy but it it wasn't compelling enough but if you look now Steph is the babyface. Giannis is the, you know, the up and coming prince soon to be king. LeBron is now the bad guy because of the way he mishandled the trade period. I'm going to get into that. LeBron has a step bad stepdad personality complex. I'm going to talk about that sometime in the future, not right now. But wrestling gave professional sports the blueprint for how to make things more entertaining. We need a bad guy, we need an antagonist, we need a baby face, we need an up and coming king, an up and coming prince, soon to be king. We need that. So Russell uh, Westbrook is the antagonist. He's the mean face. He's the, yeah, I ain't smiling for nothing. I'm dunking on everybody, moms. Yeah. He's that. He's the antagonist. Steph is the baby face. Giannis is the up and coming prince. LeBron is the current bad guy. Now you have it. It makes that sport more compelling because you're looking to. You're looking to, to, to invest in characters. Wrestling taught professional sports that. It's no longer about the sports. It's always about storyline. Do you understand? Like, I don't think people understand how much storyline plays into every sport. Nobody wants to believe sports is fixed to a certain degree. Everybody wants to believe it's still every, you know, the best player always wins. That is nonsense. Don't believe the hype. I'll get into that in another podcast because again i have some opinions that many people don't hold but if you just look with your eyes and not with your emotions or your bias you'll be able to see things that are plain as day now in in the goat talk the greatest what what are we going the greatest what because the greatest basketball player of all time like what makes a great basketball player to you, like what, what makes a great basketball player? You know, what makes that five tool player that you can say he has all these things? Wouldn't that person have to possess all those things to be the greatest basketball player of all time? And that's why I say it's so subjective. Greatest what of all time? Have you noticed that these discussions, it's never a specific clear cut greatest at this or that. 
it's it's so there can be an argument if they got specific it would remove the debate and people would have to include people who have no accolades at all such as rings or mvps ask yourself pound for pound who was the greatest scorer in nba history probably Allen iverson but that's not sexy because there isn't anyone really to compare to him Tracy McGrady was a machine regarded by his peers as one of the greatest scorers of his time, but he has no medal. That's no fun to talk about. And I wanted to read that. I, I, I like to read my things word for word because I want people to understand that I'm very clear and concise in what I'm, what I'm thinking and saying. If you ask yourself who the greatest scorer of all time was, and you look pound for pound, weight for weight, and you did a sliding scale, you would stop at Allen Iverson because the man was 5'10". He was not six feet. I've seen him in person. He's not six feet. He was 5'10". At best, he was 158. He might have lingered around 162. He was not that heavy. He played with injuries. He played through pain. He, he played with players who weren't even all-stars themselves. He carried the Philadelphia 76ers on his shoulders for several seasons with very little help. Greatest scorer of all time. And all people like to talk about when it comes to him are two things, one positive, one negative. The crossover, which he completely revolutionized. I know Isaiah Thomas was doing the dribble magic before Iverson, but Iverson took it to another level. He embarrassed the heck out of Mike with that one and several others. All you hear about is the crossover and practice. That soundbite is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. That's not sexy. There's nobody else to compare Allen Iverson to. You can't have a debate. You can't be like, such and such is the greatest score pound for pound. No, it's not. There's never been anybody like Allen Iverson. Argument's done. So when you're going to greatest of all time it, you got to get a little more specific. When you say greatest shooter of all time, you're going to say Steph Curry currently. You might want to say Larry Bird. How come nobody ever says Larry Bird? Let me now jump ahead to my different points. The fact of the matter is, when you start talking greatest basketball player of all time, you want to talk about efficiency, you want to talk about reliability, but those two things, efficiency and reliability, are not sexy. And the reason I keep using the word sexy is because sexy and salaciousness is what gets people to tune in. It gets people to look into, it gets people to gawk at, it gets people to listen. So when you start talking about you know, the, you look at Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was one of the most fundamentally sound and efficient basketball players I had ever seen in all my years of playing playing and watching basketball. Never seen anybody like him. Never seen no kids going to the park going, oh, about to do that Tim Duncan move. Never happened. Because that isn't beautiful. So you have to start talking about the slashers, the dunkers, the leapers, the jumpers. Nobody ever mentions Tracy McGrady even though he was one, he, listen, whenever Kobe Bryant says, I hated playing against you, it was so annoying. You were one of my biggest competitions ever. That pretty much says something. And he, and Kobe played against Mike. He didn't say that about Mike. He said it about Tracy McGrady, but nobody wants to talk about that because Tracy McGrady has no rings. There's not even anybody you could really compare Tracy McGrady to. So it's like, I don't want to bring Tracy McGrady into this argument because that'll change my, you know, then I can't, you know, then I can't bolster one of the people we're already talking about. People don't like to talk about new people unless that new person is about to be the next person. Case in point, Zion Williamson. I'll never say his name on this particular episode ever again. Overworked narrative. I'm kind of over it at this point um, because I need to see him do more at another level. 
we've seen him you know we've seen it but saying that to say when you get specific about you know goading you got to start talking about some things you got to really start talking about basketball and the thing about analysts is they have to make the material palatable to everyone and not everyone understands the deep things of basketball so you got to talk about it on a real surface level you can't get real specific when you start talking about you know efficiency of scoring and uh um uh points per minute and assist to turnover ratio and you know offensive rebound defensive rebound yeah you, you you can't you know what i mean like sports analysts today are not reeling in basketball fans they're 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 reeling in the casual fan who just wants to sit and listen to talking heads because that's what we've become we do it in the news we do it with politics i'm not gonna say that word on this uh on this episode either because that's another overworked narrative which i'll discuss later saying that to say my last point you know in today's world i want to start by saying this in today's world we are very we're divided we're divided more than we even know based on the things we talk about and the reason I say that is to say, why don't we ever mention Larry Bird when we start having these GOAT conversations? I'm pretty sure he has more rings than LeBron. It's for the same reason people forget about Mike Allstott. If you don't know who Mike Allstott is, you're making my point. It's because he's white. I know, right? That seems crazy for me to say. But people don't talk about Larry Bird because he's white. Yeah. They key in on the demographic they're trying to draw in by excluding the unrelatably unathletic. It's because he's white. Nobody wants to talk about Larry Bird. Nobody ever mentions John Havlicek. Nobody ever mentions Kevin McHale as the best, one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. Know why? Because they're white. The demographic that watches basketball currently today, the demographic they feel watches basketball, mostly they say, oh, black people watch basketball. Why are we going to mention, you know, I mean, I know white dudes that don't even mention Larry Bird and Kevin McHale as the best. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, man, that's crazy that, you know, you didn't mention that seeing as how, you know, you white, you, you figure you would mention them, but it's not sexy. There was nothing sexy about Larry Bird's, uh, Farrah Fawcett hairstyle. There was nothing sexy about Kevin McHale's bushy bowl cut that it looks like his mom did it every once a week. Like. There's nothing sexy about that. But therein lies the honesty about the things that we hold so uh, so rigorously in our hands. Like, no, it's LeBron. He's the GOAT because of these things that have nothing to do with actual facts. Because I'm emotionally invested in this guy. He's the GOAT because... Mike's the GOAT because he has six rings and he's undefeated in the finals. Mad scoring titles. Mad. He has mad trophies. That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm not going to get specific with the amount of trophies because nobody really cares because you know it's a lot. Also, you know, when we're talking about the GOAT, why don't we ever mention 11 rings? It's not sexy. So the next time you hear somebody argue a point that seems almost pointless, I want you to think to yourself, He's only arguing that point because it's sexy. 
if it was an ugly point. Nobody wants to argue an ugly point. Nobody wants to argue an unpopular opinion. Nobody wants to argue the facts. They want to argue things they can argue, which are things that are kind of subjective. There's muddy waters involved. There's things you don't usually consider when you're trying to reach a final point. Nobody's ever trying to reach a final point. I love the GOAT talk, but I also love the fact that people avoid I like watching people purposely avoid. It, it, it makes me laugh. I, I literally chuckle like a fat school kid at that notion of people avoiding not talking about. Like, I don't know. That's just been me. Like I said, I'm just an, I'm just an observer. I like to watch the world and report on what I see. And right now, as it stands, I still see Mike as the GOAT. So there you have it. And I'm basing it on statistics plus rings plus other trophies that he's received and accolades in his life. And he has two Olympic gold medals. He revolutionized the sneaker game. He's the reason people have signature shoes. Now you might say, what does it have to do with basketball? Everything. Because he took it from here and he globalized it. So the global stage he set, LeBron couldn't stand on if it wasn't for Mike. There you have it. You can catch me on all my social media, Productive Inactivity on Podbean, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram. This is Wayne Steven with the Productive Inactivity Podcast. Yes, sir.